and welcome to Messiah's Upper Room Podcast. Each week, you'll join Messiah's Upper Room Bible Study Class led by Pastor Jim Audi. While Pastor Audi is out this week, Gina Lerman is our guest speaker as we continue the Red Letter Challenge. Enjoy. That we're starting being is what we're talking about today. And I thought, I was looking at this, and the very first page says, for the week of being, it says, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And I was, as I was looking at that, my first question was, okay, for everybody that's in the room, raise your hand if this statement has never applied to you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, to me, that starts this challenge that we're all on the same footing. All of us have felt weary and heavy burdened, so we're all starting this kind of at the same line. We've got that line, if you watch runners or whatever, somebody that's in athletics or some sort of challenge or some sort of race or whatever, they all start on the same line. So that's what we're all doing. We're all starting this challenge together. So I thought that was interesting, when I, and I was reading through it, With us doing being, the first thing I wanted to do is like, okay, I want a little clearer clarification definition of being. And when I pulled it up, this is what it said being is defined as. It says the nature or essence of a person. So I thought, okay, nature or essence of a person. Well, as you read this, what do you think is impressed upon us or implied upon us of what our nature or our essence is supposed to be. Christ-like. And he's also saying, as we read this, is he's talking so much about making his word part of our being, part of our essence. He talks about, like on page 41, he says, the certain things that underlined, he talks about abide in my word. And the word abide can mean dwell or reside. Make it part of our being. He says live in his word. Live in God's word. Make the Bible part of our life. Make it part of our being. Make it, it's supposed to go with us wherever we go. And I thought it was pretty interesting when he says in the Old Testament, he says God actually tells Ezekiel to eat the scripture. Okay, for those of you that have Bibles, please do not pull out a page and start chewing on it. (laughs) What he was saying in that is he said God wanted Ezekiel to consume the words. So they'll literally take life inside of him. That's what he's saying as far as being is he wants his word to be part of our being. Make it part of our nature, part of our essence. Consume the word so that it can take life inside of you and be part of our being. So we've got our lesson today. Everybody's got it. Fortunately for me, I have the answers and can give those to you. But let's start kind of in the very beginning of it. It talks about what does the Bible say about being? And it starts in Psalm 46:10, be still and know that I am God. And it says, to still oneself is to quiet yourself. Okay, once again, raise your hand if you're really good at doing that. Okay, good. I mean, fit in really well with everybody. 
when, when, you're, when you're asleep? <laughs> How many is really good at stilling your mind when you're asleep? Ah, one person. <laughs> Yes. One of the challenges downstairs on the board is to uh, three times, I don't know if it's three times a week or three times a day, just sit still and do nothing for 20 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Sit still and do nothing for 20 minutes. I did some people see some heads go like, uh, no. (laughs) Might be a little difficult. Well, here, in the first part, it says, when it's talking about to still oneself, is to quiet yourself. And good ways to do that. The first one says, create a daily rhythm of time in God's word. So make it part of your schedule, your rhythm, to make time in God's word. And I've brought this up in some other classes, and maybe in this one too, is Everybody in here is probably really good about scheduling an appointment on your calendar for a doctor, for whatever kind of a meeting, for an appointment, whatever. Schedule a meeting on your, on your phone or whatever calendar you use to be with God, to be in his word. I think that's a pretty important meeting, appointment to do that. Put that on there. The next one says to guard your mind from an inundation of negative information. I think we have a pretty strong and heavy inundation of negative information these days, don't we? Doesn't it feel like it's coming at you from all sides? Well, then you kind of get the feeling you need to throw up some sort of block or something to try to bounce it off or reflect, deflect it from hitting at you all the time. Well, what would be a good deflector or a block against all these negative inundations that are coming at you? Airplane mode. Airplane mode. <laughs> That's a good one. Reading the Bible. Yes. But you could tell from a lot of the answers, a lot of what, where it comes from. It comes from the TV, comes from the phone, comes from a lot of electronics. So you got to block that. Don't give it so much time on your calendar. Give God more time on your calendar. What it says below that, kind of like we were just talking about, it says disconnect or unplug from your electronic devices. Can you think of an easy way to do that? I know Marion's given, she's told before of an example, and I don't know if they still do it, when all the grandkids or whatever would come to her house, she had a box, and as soon as they came in the door, that's where the phones had to go. And they had to stay there. And you couldn't play games, you may not be able to eat (laughs) if you didn't put the phones in that box. So there was, it wasn't a case of just telling people to not do it. You kind of actually had to make them take a step to disconnect from the electronic devices so they could focus more on being with the family and doing those kind of things. So you'll have to come up with ways or strategies to disconnect yourself from these devices Because unfortunately, they tend to do more negative stimulation than positive stimulation. So you got to amp it up and get ready to block that off. It talks about, on the next one, in B, Matthew 14 to 27, the scripture, or the red letter, says, but immediately, can you say it? Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Do you remember what was happening right then when he says that? Yeah, the storm. The storm was walking. Yeah, he was, wa- he was walking on the water, wasn't he? 
And did he talk to somebody in particular and ask them to do it too? He did. He told Peter. What did he say to Peter to do? He told him to walk on the water, didn't he? Well, and one thing that that I've kind of noticed over the last few years when I've been doing some studies is I'm starting to give Peter a little partial credit because he actually stepped out of the boat. I mean, because he really gets, rightfully so, he gets a bad rep because he falls into the water. He starts doubting and he falls, but he really didn't hesitate when he swung his legs out and he stepped on the water. I'm like, okay, you know, give him a little credit. Give him a little for doing that. But then it says, what, God, what he's saying, it says, he did not say, do not feel afraid. He said, don't be afraid. Because who in that situation had the strength of, of picking the feel or the be? Who, was, who would feel afraid? It'd be Peter. So what is God's point when he says, but don't be afraid? Who has the control of you not being afraid? Because who's got this situation? God does. He says, don't be afraid because I've got this. I've got you. So he stepped out and did he sink right away after he stepped out? He walked for, I don't know how long, but at least a few steps. And then what happened? He was afraid. So he, he let the feelings take over instead of the focus of who he's watching. So that's when he's saying, he didn't say don't feel afraid because it'd be natural for us to feel afraid in whatever we're situ- situation we're in. But don't be afraid because who's in control? And then it talks about, it's like, what's the difference between feeling something and being something? And Pastor Audie gets very technical on that to me. <laughs> Phil, did you have your hand up? Well, fe- feeling something is more temporary, <laughs> situational. Being something is more constant or, or, or permanent. Mm-hmm. It's more long-lasting. We, Pastor Audie's talked about that when he talks about joy. That joy gets you more of, it's a f- being type, more long-term and not just situational. Feel happy, be joyful. There you go. Feel happy, be joyful. And he talks about at the very bottom of it, he says, feelings are the body, mind, chemical, and electrical reactions or triggers or stimuli. You feel like you just left a science class when you're reading that? And then on the second page, it says, with feelings come thoughts or conclusions drawn about the situation. That's where feelings really tend to take control of the situation. And on three, kind of feeds into that. It says the key principle is feelings are real, but the thoughts they create may not be truthful or accurate. And I like how it gives the example. It says when someone unfairly criticizes you, you don't feel loved. But just because you don't feel loved doesn't mean you aren't loved. I'm sure we've all been on the receiving end where we get some criticism and we don't feel loved at all. Have you ever given some, I mean, it mentions unfairly, or even if it's fairly, criticized your kids, a family member? Well, does that equate with not loving them? Disciplining someone, kids, parents, (laughs) does that mean you don't love them? So that's where you can't let the feelings redirect you down the wrong path. Because it's very truthful that it says the thoughts that are created by the feelings may not be accurate 
I think a lot of times there's a strong percentage that it's not accurate. Our feelings always tend to, and thoughts tend to take the negative path faster than the positive one. So you just really have to not let that take over so much. It also said below number four, it says being describes how you are. Feelings describe how you feel. So you just kind of have to figure out what you want to give more weight to and what you want to have give more importance into your thoughts and into your direction and into your reaction. The next scripture says Matthew 6, 19 through 21. It says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I had to really underline that last sentence because I think that makes a very strong point. Think of where your treasures are because that is what your heart is connected to. And he says below that, the treasures you lay up for yourself can determine the good or the evil that you do. So which, what do you want to hold as a treasure? If it pulls you more towards good or if it pulls you more towards evil, which do you want category you want to be a treasure? And which one, what kind do you think is it what's in heaven? More good or more evil? I think we know what goes one direction and what goes the other way. And I think probably, I think it's a safe bet to guess that everybody here really wants to go in the good direction and have that have more weight and more impact on the things that they do. It says, the treasures you lay up for yourself can determine the good or evil that you do, and then it takes us into what your treasure is indicated by, by what you dedicate your priorities to pursuing, worrying over, measuring the value of your life by. The heart of human beings is easily controlled by what they treasure. I think, it, I don't know if you're like me, when I was doing this lesson and all this treasure word kept coming out at me, I mean, I started having this mental list of what I considered a treasure. And is it, it's like, okay, do I really don't want that on the list. That's not really that important. And then I'd add something else. I'm like, no, that's not really an important one either. And you get to a point where you start, I started shifting into categories. What is an earthly treasure? What is a heavenly treasure? So throw out some examples to me. What's an earthly treasure? Photographs. Photographs? What are some other ones? The cowboys winning. <laughs> Don't anybody say that's a heavenly treasure too. So, <laughs> the stars winning. Okay, we're going to get into a lot of football teams now. <laughs> okay, now let's go to the heavenly treasures. What are some other earthly treasures? Money. Money. Personal possessions. Personal possessions. Families. Families. Friends. Kids. Friends. Friends. Success. Success. Job security. Job security. A good wine. A good wine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, to the question to go with that on the earthly treasures, is it for sure that those will last forever? If it's for sure that they won't last forever, why do we have such a, I mean, we have like a death grip on those things. We make those 
the most important things. So throw out some heavenly treasures. What would be heavenly treasures? Souls. Souls. Jesus. Salvation. It's a place prepared for us. Everlasting life. Everlasting life. So if you put, if you had like the scale that weighs things, we have all the the heavenly things that were mentioned first on this side of the scale. Everything, the heavenly treasures that were on this side of the scale. Which one of them is more important? And even though we have a lot more that fill up the earthly part of the scale, which one do you think is going to pull more weight? The heavenly one. You could put one thing on the heavenly side of the scale. Salvation. You could put millions of things on the earthly side of the scale. Which one still pulls more weight in the end? So... That one should pull more weight for us in our lives, the decisions we make. That one should have the biggest pull for us. And the way that we make that have the biggest pull is we make who part of our being. We put, make Jesus part of it, the biggest part, the essence of it. It'll also say below in C... I, how to discern a good treasure for one that is evil. We kind of kicked that around some. And then it specifies, is my motive a response to God calling me his beloved? As far as what's my discerning factor between good and evil? Does it reflect and demonstrate my loving God in the way he wants to be loved and respected? Does it reflect my loving my neighbor, even if it costs me? And then kind of look what we talked about. And everybody kind of think out, outside of class or whenever on your own, what are you currently treasuring and how is it affecting your being? So that's something to kind of spin around in your thoughts. It's like, okay, what am I currently treasuring and how is it affecting me? How is it drawing me? How much of importance am I giving it? And is it really that important in the long run? It might be important right in the minute, but for the long path, is it really that important? In the next section, it talks about be, being describes who you are, and it informs what you do. For Christians, who you are begins with God drawing you to himself by grace through faith. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So you were created in the image of God. Created to give and receive love created with a moral responsibility to live within the boundaries of God's will, his terms, not my terms, you were created to be intimately connected to God. So we've got that connection with him directly. There, is, there isn't this divide or this, it, there isn't this distance. We're directly connected to him. Matthew 11:28 says, "Come to me, all who labor and are heavy burden, heavy laden, and I will give you rest." Kind of like we talked about earlier that that pretty much applies to all of us. And we would all like some rest from the things that we're dealing with, for the from the struggles that we have. And what's he saying is, what's the first path to take to kind of get a break from that heavy burden and what we're struggling with? He makes it pretty clear. What's the path to take? Come to him. Does that seem too easy? Is that why we struggle with it? 
We try to find so many other routes or paths. Letting go is hard. Letting go is hard. Giving up control is hard. Because we're so good at it. We're so good at controlling everything, aren't we? Or we think we are. So that, that's the struggle is actually, you know, pry your fingers open one at a time and let go and give it to him. I think, at least in my case, I've known over the years, is I give, try to give it to God and then I keep taking it back. <laughs> it's like it doesn't happen fast, so I'm taking it back and thinking I can make it move along a little faster than he can. Yeah. And then give it back and take it back again. Does anybody do that? play tug of war with God. <laughs> and I think part of what she said as far as a really strong part of that statement is I give it to him, but it didn't happen fast enough. So I pull it back. Well, whose time frame are things supposed to happen in? Don't say mine. <laughs> whose plan is better? Whose plan is easier? Ah, I, was, I was wanting to see if, ever, if everybody's going to go, oh, God's. Do you always feel that God's plan for your life is easier? Okay, that's the answer that's the correct one. <laughs> is it's never easier. We do not have the easy path. But who is on that path with us? Always. He's always there. So I think that can help make the path a little easier as long as we know he's there to help us get through it. I think when we don't hold on to him as we're struggling, that'll make it a lot harder. So you just got to give it over to him. Try to let go. Sometimes I've told God, I'm like, okay, could you just, could you just smack my hand or something when I'm doing this tug of war with you? He's so patient. He's like, let go. Let go. And I've had times where I've told him over and over, okay, take it now. <laughs> take, no, really, take it now this time. And I'm sure he's like... Yeah, I think you told me that like 10 times ago. And then you pulled it back again. But in our culture, being busy, keeping busy, and working hard is what's valued. Did you hear so that? Much, so much more than just saying, well, I think I'm going to sit for 20 minutes and do nothing. <laughs> you know, we, we value that in our culture. No, go, 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 go. But who's the one that's actually giving value to that? You or somebody else? I think you're giving somebody else's opinion and judgment on value more weight than you are God. Because it's, in society, success, who is the person who gauges the success and determines whether or not it's success? Is it us? Or do we let somebody else in society make that decision? Or that judgment. We let other people do that too often. We let other people do that too often. And our most, when it's other people, is their most important thing, you. But you give them that much power over your importance, or your value, or your worth. Do you see where I'm going with that? So decide, give more weight to what does God consider value? And what does this world consider value? Who do you want to have more opinion on your value? If you just sat for 20 minutes and did nothing and said nothing and stared at the wall and just got into the word and listened to God, would that, give him, would that be valuable to him? 
Would it be valuable to the world? Well, I would kind of like to be more valuable in God's eyes. Because how long does your value last in this world? Sometimes it's for as long as you do something for that person. When you stop doing something for that person, how much is your value then? Like sometimes non-existent. But how much, how, there is no way that you can calculate the value that you have to God. Because it's more than we could ever imagine. It's more than we could ever deserve, but he freely gives it to us. Does the world freely give value to us? That, they pretty, they, the world wants a really high payment for your value. Yes, Jesus made the ultimate payment for us, but he willingly did it. Even if we sit on the couch and stare at the wall all the time, he would get up on that cross for all of us again. Just even for one of us, he would do it again. That's how valuable you are. So make him valuable to you. Give him some time. Give him more time than we do. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, uh, we did that, talked about, come to me, all who are le- heavy and labor, and I'll give you rest. It says, our doing is laborious, and the burdens can be heavy. And it says, rest is not an escape from labor. I know we were all kind of hoping that. <laughs> it says, rest is a strengthening which prepares us for more lifting. And we've talked about that in previous lessons where Pastor Audie would talk about, you know, making the Sabbath holy. Who rested on the day seven? He rested. So he wants to have a day of rest with us. And that's when it talks about that it's a, it's a strengthening and prepares us for the, the heavy lifting, the week that we had, have ahead of us, the struggles that we have ahead of us, the emotions, the feelings, the stuff that we have that's coming ahead of us the next week. If we take some time and rest in him, he will strengthen us for what's coming. So we get him into our being and make him part of our essence and part of our nature that kind of gives us a step up on whatever's coming at us the next week and uplifts us, strengthens us, gets us ready for it. So if you look at page three, it also says spiritual rest, like we were talking about ground juice, that you are prepared for the next week of work. Is every week of work pretty easy? No stress. And you're like, this is so easy. Zero stress. Why do I need God to lift me up for next week? A week of work. Anybody not need God for the week? The day, the hour, the minute, the second? Just to have him in you. Ingrained in you all the time. That's very beneficial. Get you going. Get you ready. I think one of the things too church, you know, you're among your Christian friends that build you up and so that if you miss for whatever reason, you, you notice that. Whenever you say if you need God, you Jesus during the week, the stress and everything. And all that you're dealing with. I think that's one of the important things is being around Christians at mm-hmm. church and the message on Sunday to get you ready for that week. 
being, being in the fellowship, how it can kind of, just little bits can kind of enrich you and get you ready for the next week, that you feel like you might miss something. Early before class started, Debbie and I were talking, have you ever had this time where you feel like whether you're reading scripture, you're in a Bible study or in the church or whatever, and you feel like, be it pastor, whoever's talking says something, and you feel like God was going, that's you. And he was pointing, you're like, oh, wow, he knows exactly what I was going through. And you have that one moment where you needed to hear what God was saying. You needed to hear what pastor was saying. Somebody else in church, somebody who's making a comment in class, that, that you needed to hear what they were saying. I mean, when you're looking out at the class and looking up from here, where you hear one person say something, I can look around and you see several people nodding. So we get it. We all go through it together. And it helps. Being in his presence, being together through all situations. That one little statement can really help us deal with something that we're going through at that moment. Matthew 3.17 says, And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. In baptism, God says to you, you are my beloved. Do y'all get that? How we've talked about beloved so many times. That word has come out in so many classes. Beloved. It says, you are my beloved child. With you, I am well pleased. Baptism changes your being. You are a new creation with a new, first one says, identity. Identity is who you are. Belonging is who you belong to. Whom you belong to. Loved is how God treats you. Presence is how much he is with you. Purpose is why you exist on earth. Now, as you're doing this challenge, are you kind of prepping yourself for doing this? Are you getting why, what this challenge is about? What do y'all, th- what do y'all think the purpose of this challenge is for? Getting closer to God. Getting closer to God? How often? Every day. That's the challenge is to kind of get you into it. Into it. Reading and touching base with him every day. So one of the things I was going to point out, for anybody who didn't get a book, you're not out of the challenge. You don't get off that free. Because what Pastor has done in the lesson, at the very end of it, you'll see the red letter challenge for days 6 through 12. So every day, if you don't have a book... It'll tell you what this is about. Like the first one says, abide in the word. Read that verse. That day, read that verse. And one of the things that I've kind of started doing for myself is when I read a verse in the Bible, try get a little journal or something and try to just write down something out of that verse that just really struck you. Something that really just kind of jumped out to you. And just write it down. So even though you don't have the book, you still have part of the challenge. That way, even if it's just, I mean, it's just one verse that you're reading. Who doesn't think they could commit time each day to just read one verse? Can you make an appointment on your calendar to just do that one verse and just see what you get out of it? You always get something out of reading it. If you're going to read it, it makes a heck of a lot more sense to read it first thing in the morning. Let it through you during the day and at the end of the day, write down how that verse 
the words of that verse and the Lord working you through that verse. Did you hear that? He expanded on the challenge. Now you have to do more. That's a good idea. Read the verse the first thing in the morning. Maybe even at the end of the day, read it again. See if you read it different. See if there was something that happened that day that really that verse spoke to or really impacted you. And it could be something that it impacted somebody else. You could see somebody else in your workplace, family, friends, wherever. Grocery store standing in line. Something like that that it impacted them. And you could see how God was working on you or somebody else. I think we'll probably be pretty amazed at how whenever we read these verses, how much in action we see God is all the time. I mean, we've talked about over the years that, because some people have said, well, I've, I've studied that chapter in the Bible before. I don't, I don't need to study it again. I read it. It's not going to be any different. Is that right? Have you ever studied, read something in the Bible or studied something and then read the same thing a few months later? a year later, and got something totally different out of it. I think we all realize that in this class also, that when, I mean, I'll be reading something, I'll read something out of the book, and I'll be like, okay, that's what I got out of it. Someone else in the class will be reading the same verse, the same thing, and they'll be like, oh, but this. And I'll be like, what, was I asleep when I read that? Wow, I didn't get that out of it. But it's so great hearing what other people get out of something and how much it can impact you or somebody else. So who thinks they're up for the challenge? Come on, get your hands up. Come on, a little more, double hand me. <laughs> I don't think there's anybody that this challenge is too overwhelming for. So do you get what, how the challenge works? Because we did day six today. So what are you supposed to do tomorrow? Day seven. So you get it. <laughs> yes? I think it really helps to have the app on your phone of the Bible that, you know, that a lot of times you think, oh, I'd like to read some the verse now, but you're somewhere else and you don't have a Bible. I really like having it on my phone. Did y'all hear that? How it's kind of handy to have an app on your phone of the Bible that you might be out somewhere reading something, and you're like, oh, what, what is that verse about? I wish I had a Bible around me. You can get all kinds of versions, NIV or whatever. You can get a little app, pretty much all of them are free, on your phone to where if you're out and about and you want to just, it's like, oh, what is that? There's a scripture or something that I know applies to that really well. Or you want to just reference something. I mean, think, there's another challenge. Think of all the apps you have in your phone. What would be the most important app to have? <laughs> so put the Bible in the mixture of the apps, shift it around, make it not the app at the very last one on your phone. Because you know you can do that. You can slide the apps around on your screen, move some of the other ones that aren't as important, and put the Bible app towards the beginning. I'll, I'll include a link to it on the, in the show notes. Did you hear that? He's going to include a link. On the show notes, y'all are so not out of this challenge. <laughs> he's going he's gonna to give you a link to an app. That's another part of your challenge. Load the phone with the, with the Bible. I, I, well, I won't do it because Pastor Roddy's going to be teaching it, but I'll tell him, have everybody hold their phone up 
and go around and go, okay, yeah, Bible, Bible, Bible. See who loaded it onto their phone. Because it's, how handy is it, ha- is it to have quick access to the Bible? That's a pretty good app to have. Make it the app of our life. Part of our being. Either this Bible or your app, make it part of your being. Mm-hmm. You were talking about getting something new from something you've read. Mm-hmm. On page 41 of the quote from Ezekiel, mm-hmm. that, that really taught me about being because it talks about eating the scroll, eating the, eating the, the word. It becomes, we eat three meals a day and that food becomes part of our being. Mm-hmm. We would not skip a meal. But yeah, we skip reading reading God's word. No. And if we if we ate God's word three times a day, it would become part of us. You get that? Okay, so everybody at lunch today, <laughs> when you're taking a bite of what you're eating, start thinking about God, thinking about that, thinking about the challenge, thinking about a verse. This challenge is probably getting to be a little bit more than y'all thought since I keep adding parts to it. <laughs> But it's a good thing. Have God be part of your nourishment, part of your meal, part of your companionship. Three times a day, one time a day, one minute a day. And I think the more time that we give him, even if we start out with a little bit amount, how much we get from it, I think we'll start expanding the amount and the time that we spend with him because of how much we get out of it. It's like... I don't want to stop reading. I want to read a little bit more. So we will shift. The more we put him part of our being, the more we'll shift his being to the biggest part of our being in our time, in our calendar. So that's our challenge. I think it's a pretty, it's a pretty neat one to have you get into the word. I remember when I first started looking to this, and it's another thing that Debbie and I were talking about. It's like thinking that maybe it was going to be a really long when you do day Six, day seven, I thought, okay. Oh, it's not really that long. And what will kind of determine out of reading this is if it was really long, would you commit to it every day? So I think that's why they made the challenge, even if it's just the scripture that you read, you're more likely to do it if it's not that much. So that kind of gets it planted in you from the very beginning of this challenge. So it might get longer in the end. Carl? You know, at the first of the year, you get a, a in, in, your, in the, uh, the church bulletin, they'll mm-hmm. put in a, a read the Bible in a year, mm-hmm. and it's a little schedule for every day. And I committed to do that this year. 20 minutes a day is all it takes. And it, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. I really encourage everybody. I think it started today. It, it's a marvelous, marvelous journey. It is. I've had some people who are like, oh, 20 minutes? Really? I need 20 minutes? When am I going to get that in my schedule? Make time for it. And like I said, even on this challenge, the last page, it's like one verse. That's not that big of a challenge. So everybody commit to it. Amen. amen. I got an amen. <laughs> that just tells you how important it is. Because you're doing it for yourself and it's really going to be enriching. And from the time that I've spent in this class, I think everybody in here can totally meet that challenge. I think everybody wants to. 
have it part of their life every day. It's just committing to it, making it that important. So let's do it. I think that was, I think one of the pages in the book at the very beginning said, let's do this. So y'all have to, next weekend when Pastor Audie's here and he comes in, y'all be like, I want y'all to kind of impact upon him. He's like, oh wow, they are totally into this. (laughs) Make him a little nervous that y'all, game on, we got this. Well, let's close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you as always for the time that we can spend together and just get more in depth in everything that brings us closer to you, closer to each other, and just closer in having you in our life. We ask you that you will encourage us and just really stay on top of each of us this week, every day, to spend more time in your presence and having you being more and more of our being. Because we all agree that it's just so wonderful to have you in our lives. And we want to make you have more weight in our lives. So we just ask you to strengthen us and challenge us as we challenge each other and just take this all to heart. We ask you that you just be with all of us today as we head home and start going into our next week of work and all of our activities, that you will stay on our mind in everything that we do and all the importance of your son in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Messiah's Upper Room. Here at Messiah Lutheran Church, our mission statement is sharing his light. That means sharing the light that is Jesus Christ and telling others about his gospel. If you want to join us in that mission, please share this podcast with someone that may want to come and better know the light of Jesus. Use one of our past episodes as a starting point to start a discussion with someone, or use a past series as a personal Bible study or devotional for your family or small group. If we've given any value to you at all, consider leaving this podcast a rating and review on iTunes. That will help us climb the iTunes rankings so we may better spread the reassuring good news of Jesus Christ and continue to share his light with anyone willing to listen. Thank you again so much for listening, and until next time, may God bless you throughout your week. Bye.